What's up, folks? Greeting and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. This is episode number 134 of the EVT podcast, and Mr. Dominic Sturm is here with me today. What's going on, Dominic? How are you doing, man? How's, how's uh, life out in Arizona? I'm good. I'm finally able to do stuff this week. Uh, so uh, it's been a little more entertaining on my point. We're getting closer and closer to spring training, so things are starting to get excited out here, assuming that spring training is on time. There was that report this weekend where the mayors of the cities requested that it be pushed back a little bit to make more money. They said it was about player safety, but we all know that's not true. I mean, let's just be real. Yeah. So I, I hope that it starts on time because at this point we're less than a month away. So I want to be out there because I, I'm going, I'll wear a mask. I don't care. Yeah. It's, it's not looking good, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, it, you know, it is all about money. It's about, them trying to get as many butts as they can into the seats. We already know that backfield um, access is going to be limited, if even available at all for, for fans and for for scouts and for anyone. So it's it's 2021 is going to be a strange season to at the beginning, at the very least. We'll have to wait and see how the pandemic goes. But at this point, it's it's looking like um, the season might be in jeopardy to start. The spring training is definitely in jeopardy. I, it's a fluid situation, so we'll just have to wait what, uh, and see what Major League Baseball decides. They need to get a move on because, I mean, at this point, season starts in two months. Like, the yeah, teams and really. the players have no idea what the rules and what the season is going to look like. Frankly, that's unacceptable because at this point, you've had such a long time. And it's been the coronavirus situation has been bad in America for the past couple of months. So it can't be like what the NFL and the NBA and the other college sports had started later than the, than the MLB last year with them saying, Oh, well, we didn't know what the situation was going to look like And you did. It was going to be rough. So you can't use the pandemic as an excuse this time. I, it's just terrible look from the MLB and it's, it's a train wreck. It's hard to remain loyal to this league, but I know you and I, we both love the Padres so much that we're, we're kind of locked in. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's complicated. There's no other way to put it. I mean, this is unprecedented stuff that's happening in the world right now. And um, major league baseball is, is affected just like everyone else. So it's tough. You know, everyone wants their sports, but at a, at the root of it all, you have to think about what's better for life in general and for everyone and rushing things is not the best situation. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, the Padres are still making moves and collecting players like nobody's business. Like uh, 2021 is going to be the the year for this team. Padres recently signed Jerickson Polfar a couple of days ago. Uh, got three years, 21 million, big addition for this team. A lot of flexibility uh, that he brings to the to the team. Give us a little bit about about the signing before we uh, before we bring in our guest. So it's a three year, twenty one million dollar deal, like you mentioned. There's a player opt out for Profar after every single year, so after twenty twenty one and after twenty twenty two season, and then there's a mutual option for I believe ten million dollars in twenty twenty four, which I think is a really weird contract because. As we all know, the players aren't going to opt out if they perform poorly because they're going to get their money. But at the same time, if he plays extremely well, he's going to want to opt out and go get some more money elsewhere or just sign a bigger deal with the San Diego Padres. So to me, it's like, why did the Padres do that? Because it just doesn't seem like this deal benefits the Padres at all. And the $10.5 million option, at that point, you're basically saying, we're only going to pay you 10 like they both have to agree that I want the $10 million that year, which would basically mean that he played well enough in his final year to earn $10 million, but not well enough to go into free agency. So it's a really weird contract because I feel like Profar can kind of just like skate by and he's still going to make a ton of money. And like I mentioned, his track record prior to San Diego is not great. Now his 2020 no. season 
was fantastic for the San Diego Padres, especially the second half of the season. So yeah. re-signing him and bringing him back made sense, but it felt like the Padres paid him a lot of money and that they're committed to him unless he has a really good year and then he wants to go get more money elsewhere or more money with the Padres. It is a strange contract. I mean, he can opt out, like you mentioned, if, if he has a great year and gets plenty of at-bats. So I I don't know. It, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. AJ Preller obviously had a want for him, and the Padres took care of it. They brought him on, brought him back, and brought him on board. Um, you know, he he being a switch hitter and the flexibility, as I mentioned, of of being able to play the outfield and and uh, the infield, most any position basically is 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 crucial in this day and age of the game. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how that unveils itself and 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 unfolds but it's uh it's interesting to bring back him with those contract limitations we'll just have to wait and see dominic i say uh you know let's bring in our, our guest and, and and talk about uh some baseball analytics if you will okay what's going on folks uh welcome back to episode number 134 of the evt podcast we are happy and pleased to be joined by Mr. Uh, Max Goldstein here. Uh, Going to crunch some baseball analytic numbers. Baseball analytics are very hot these days, and the trend is just—it's not going anywhere. It's—it's it's something that's that's going to be uh, part of this uh, part of baseball forever. So Max Goldstein is here. He is the creator of Max Sporting Studio, uh, which brings insightful data, uh, driven analysis of baseball. Just just some fantastic numbers. Uh, Max, what's going on? How are you doing? Good. How are you guys? Uh, we are well. Excited to talk to you about some analytics. First off, give us uh, give us a little bit of uh, information on yourself. Give tell us about yourself and and how you're um, how you're obsessed with numbers, if you will. Yeah. So I'm a young baseball fan. I'm actually a senior in high school, and I mm-hmm. when I first became a baseball fan, it wasn't really. I mean, the numbers were interesting to me, and I think. I first really became, I'm a Tigers fan. My family lives in Michigan and my grandfather is a huge Tigers fan. So I, up until like this past year, I had gone to opening day, like eight or like at least six or seven in a row years. And I went to a world series game when the Tigers played the giants. So I, I would, I used, I'm, I still am, I'm a huge Tigers fan. So I became more interested in the analytical side Really, when I, I actually am in a keeper league where each team keeps 50 players oh, wow. and my one of my cousins kind of introduced me to it. So I see the numbers as a way to better evaluate players and it allowed me to make better decisions to make my team better. Okay. It's it's interesting, and I, I, you're right. When you're doing fantasy sports, you're looking for every advantage you can, and and numbers give a, a great indication of value of players uh, and how they're trending. Right? I mean, that's that's basically what it is. Is you're trying to predict uh, how a players trending and if they're trending in the correct direction. That's really what it's all about. And a lot of stats what really prompted me to create the stats that I created, which all aim to maximize predictiveness. Most of the stats that you see, for instance. And it's a good stat, estimated weighted on base average, which is on StatCast provides it. It's XWOVA. And that stat is trying to say, based on how hard the guy, the hitter was hitting the ball and the launch angles, what you would have expected his performance to be. But actually, that expected performance is not more predictive of future performance than the actual. So that's my whole idea was based on stats from like, for instance, the 2020 season, what can we predict the player to do in 2021? Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. It's, 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 you know, I'm an older fan, obviously, and it's, it's hard for me to digest the numbers and, and kind of make sense of them. I'm, I'm obviously learning and I'm, I'm enthusiastic to learn more about it. So, uh, that's why we're that's why you're here to kind of educate us and and kind of help us out uh, in the number crunching. Max, I'd love to hear your thoughts about AJ Preller and what he's done with the San Diego Padres team this offseason before we before we start crunching numbers. What are your thoughts on the Padres? I think the Padres have done a really good job. I think they've improved their team by drastic measures this offseason. I think it's exciting even though I'm not a Padres fan, I can admire the work Preller has done. I think 
getting you Darvish and Blake Snell, those are two guys that are number one caliber pitchers. I mean, mm-hmm. and if, I mean, Denilson, Lamette can stay healthy. I really think the Padres could be an amazing team next year. They will be. Yeah. And you mentioned you take the, the stats and predictive measures from previous seasons to see how they're going to do in the future. But a lot of people have been talking about how the 2020 season was just so different than all the other seasons in previous years. Are you valuing the 2020 season the same as like a 2019 or 2018 season in your projections or not? Yeah. So the 2020 numbers, so like the predictive weighted on base averages for 2020, it's based just on 2020. So these aren't like your typical projections where you have multiple years. The idea of these are based on average exit velocity, all the stats you like that are included in the formulas, what you'd predict. So the stats are trying to get at a player's true talent from a single season. So for like 2020, because not a single hitter stepped up to the plate 300 times in 2020, mm-hmm. the, in the 2020 for those numbers, strikeout rate and walk rate are more important than say in like a 2019 where a guy puts the ball in play 400 times. So the idea of the stats is regression to the mean where a player's true talent is closer to average. So like if a guy, if a pitcher struck out 50% of the batters he faced and he faced 300 batters in a year, you wouldn't predict him to strike out 50% again. It's probably going to be closer to average because when if you look at distributions of stats, most players are average. So unless the player faced such a high number of players where you can say, well, that's his true talent, you're going to need to assume that the player is going to get closer to average, which in some cases could be better, worse. So like if a player gets hit by 10% of, in some guys like Tim LaCastro, like when he first came up, I can't assume that he's going to get hit 15% 15% of the time in his plate appearances. Mm-hmm. If all I know about him is that he, that he got hit at that rate in X number of plate appearances. So like someone like Dallas Keuchel, who doesn't really get strikeouts, who get a lot of balls get put into play for his like stat that encompasses what happens when the ball is put into play. His is regressed less heavily to the mean because if he had the same number of play appearances as someone like Devin Williams, because Devin Williams doesn't allow the ball. Devin Williams struck out more than half the batters he faced. So there is no need to regress as heavily to the mean for someone like Keuchel, who's allowing a lot more balls in play. Just fascinating stuff, man. It's, it's, it's amazing how the game grown and, people like yourself have gone and taken uh, measures to kind of predict things and, and kind of crunch the numbers. If you, I, I'm going to keep saying that, but that's what it is. It's just, it's getting the numbers and looking at them a different way, uh, which is very fascinating to me. Give me your estimation or, or your opinion on, on which of the Padres pitchers have, have interesting numbers uh, as far as you're concerned. Yeah. So I think someone that is definitely interesting is Chris Paddock, who, we know in 2019, he had a really, really good season. So his, the stat, the main stat for pitchers and hitters, the variables are different, but the main stat, I'm just going to abbreviate as PWOBA plus, which is just predictive weighted on base average plus the plus part. It's putting the the stat on a scale of a hundred. So a hundred is average for a hitter. If theirs was 150, it would mean 50% above average. If it was 50, it'd be 50% below average. For pitchers, you want to have a lower one. So in 2019, Paddock's was 94. His predictive, his actual was 84. So in 2019, based off all the variables that are in the formula, you would have predicted him to have a weighted on base average 6% below average, which is good for pitchers in 2020. Okay. If you'd gone based off his actual performance, you would have said 16%. And in 2020, he actually was hit pretty hard. And his weighted on base average was 7% above the league average, meaning hitters, I mean, they were hitting him well. In 2020, though, 
his predictive weighted on base average plus is 98. So we'd actually predict him to be an above average pitcher in 2020 based off just those numbers. Okay. Okay. It's, it's interesting. You know, Padre fans uh, are up and down on Paddock. Uh, my co-host here, Mr. Dominic Stern is a huge Chris Paddock fan. Uh, it, it's, it's, complicated when evaluating a pitcher and and whether or not they're getting hit hard or just a victim of bad luck. Uh, do you see any positives in, in Paddock for 2021? Yeah, so I, I look pretty closely at him. And actually, in 2020, his velocity was up, but something on his fastball. But something interesting was that his fastball lost 60 revolutions per minute of spin. Hmm. which you usually an increase in velocity, there tends to be an increase in spin. So it's, I don't, I wonder why it fell. I don't know. Maybe it was an injury. Maybe it was, I don't know. I'd like to know, but something with the less spin, his heater was dropping more and with fat, with forcing fastballs and trying to get swings and misses. It's better if it has like a rising effect. It'll never rise due to gravity, but you'd rather it drop, the least amount it can. And in 2019, Paddock's fastball generated like two inches more than average based compared to similar four seamers in terms of release, like extension and velocity. But in 2020, it was 0.6 inches below average. So that was having, I think the fastball not being as good of a pitch also, I mean, that, that, I mean, that couldn't have helped the effectiveness of the changeup, which I mean, I've watched video on the changeup. I think it's a really good pitch, but having a yeah. above average fastball can make the changeup an even better pitch. Yeah, a lot of people are speculating that it rose a little less because he started to use a cutter and because of that, his arm angle when he was throwing the fastball wasn't the same, getting the revolutions for the spin rate to be as high. And you, you brought up a great point. The changeup was still good, but it was less effective because of the fastball not rising as much. So I definitely agree with that. It's good to hear that, uh, that you still think he can be a promising pitcher because I've definitely been on that side and a lot of people question that, but uh, I, I'm sticking by it. Obviously he's my favorite guy on the team, which is very unpopular, but uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's fun to watch. And it, even if he's just like a high three ERA guy for the Padres as the four or the five pitcher, that's really good for the San Diego Padres. And it's all, it's all based on what Preller has built. So I have a question on Will Myers because Myers, his previous two years leading up to 2020 were very up and down. And he was finally starting to get to the upper part of his contract where he's finally earning more. And in 2020, he absolutely exploded with a 159 OPS plus. You expect to see a similar year for Will Myers, or do you think that, that year was kind of an anomaly or he's going to come back a bit to the mean? Yeah. So that's a good question with, when it comes to Will Myers, his predictive weighted on base average plus it went from 98 to 109. So he definitely was a much better hitter in 2020, which I mean, if you watched any games, you know, I don't think he's going to replicate it. I mean, he was so good. And with the whole small sample size stuff, you, I mean, it's tough to really say that he's going to be as good, but I, I think he'll still be an above average hitter by, I mean, I think he will. Yeah. Yeah. Myers has been hit and miss. I mean, when he's on, he's on. And when he's off, he's off. And I mean, I guess that's, that's how majority of baseball players are. And that's what makes make or breaks a career. Uh, he's found a little more consistency recently and he showed that last year and, and, and Padre fans definitely hope that he's able to maintain that. Um, let's stick with the hitting theme and move on to everyone's favorite topic. And that's Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, what kind of numbers are you seeing from him that are just impressive uh, that you've, you've got to see something out of, out of the numbers from him? Yeah, so Tatis Jr., I mean, he's grades out incredibly in my metric. And just with like the main metric that he does so well and for my stat, there's like inside the predictive weighted on base average, there's components. So it factors in strikeout rate, hit by pitch percentage, walk percentage, and then what happens when the hitter puts the ball in play, which the predictive stat, I call it predictive weighted on base average on contact. And 
his was actually the highest in all of baseball in 2020. And the variables that go into that particular stat are average exit velocity, mm-hmm. um, barrels, percent of batted ball events are barrels, sprint speed, okay, maybe one more that I'm blanking on. But and then the, and the other amazing thing is that he was hitting the ball so hard and he actually was able to lower his strikeout rate yeah. by a lot. So, I mean, I think he's a star. I think he's, I mean, his defense got so much better. I, I really think Tatis Jr. is, I mean, I, he's definitely the best hitter on the Padres and he's yeah. a top, I mean, maybe a top 10 player in baseball. Yeah. It, it's, it's scary to think that he probably hasn't reached his potential yet as well, which which can be scary. Um, defensive metrics are, are something that are hit and miss that are up and down. Uh, people prefer certain types of metrics in regards to defense. Um, what do you prefer on defensive metrics and, and how does Tatis hold up uh, compared uh, 2019 compared to 2020? Cause we know he made huge strides in, in defensively. Yeah. So I, I mean, I know with defense, it's kind of tough for fans to, I guess, completely understand what the metrics are made of. The one I personally prefer is outs above average, which that comes from StatCast where they use StatCast data and the way they like calculate the metrics, pretty simple compared to, I feel like they, it, it has to do with like the, if there was a, for instance, if there was a play where they estimate that Tatis has a 50% chance of making the play, if he makes the play, then it's plus 0.5 to his outs above average. But if he doesn't make the play, it's minus 0.5. So they try, the way it's calculated is they calculate each play. And then, for instance, if there was a play that was Tatis should make 90% of the time, if he makes it, his outs above average would be 0.1. But if he doesn't, it's negative 0.9. So okay. the way they do it, I, I just trust that they're the way they're the stack cast data is the most sophisticated like and most the probably the most reliable data so i think that one's the best and he went from negative 13 meaning he was 13 outs below average Mm -hmm. in 2019 to seven outs above average in 2021 which that's a pretty amazing improvement and i think a big part of that is because people who watched fanner and takis jr on the daily like james and i did in 2019 he made a lot of really bad throwing errors on pretty easy plays. And like you mentioned, for the plays that they would expect him to make like 90% of the time, all of a sudden he's making those errors and it's going down by 0.9 because all the Potters fans knew that he was going to be a good fielder because we had seen the highlights. You saw the highlights in the major leagues and he was so smooth. It was just a matter of him finally putting it all together and maturing as a fielder. And he finally did that. So it was definitely good to see that that was reflected in that aspect. And you said earlier that you think Fernando Tatis Jr. is the best hitter on the team. And of course, the Padres do have one of the best hitters in all baseball, Manny Machado on the team. Why do you think Fernando Tatis Jr. is better than Manny Machado? Yeah, so I think, I mean, Machado is a great hitter as well, but I just think Tatis Jr. with his speed and I think, I mean, Tatis Jr., he was in every possible category he was amazing in 2020 as a hitter, except, I mean, his strikeout rate was still a little high, but when you're hitting the ball as hard as Tatis is, I mean, as like strikeout rate rises, you tend to see more hitters that are hitting the ball harder because if you're swinging harder. You're probably going to swing and miss more, but you're also probably going to hit the ball harder. So I think Tatis Jr., when he puts the ball in play, he has more success than Machado. So I think his ability, as hard as he's hitting it, that's really what makes him a better hitter. To me, it just felt like Manny Machado was finally going to break out last year because he was hitting the ball hard even when he was struggling last year. And everyone's like, I'm starting to get frustrated with Manny. I'm like, guys, relax. We're two weeks into the season. He's hitting the ball harder than 90% of the team. He's just hitting the ball right at the shortstop on line drives into the left fielder. And it was good to see him finally break through and then finish in third place for the NL MVP because there were so many doubters about him and it, it got really annoying. And then he finally shut everyone up. So that was, that was certainly good to see. Did, did the numbers reflect that early on in the season for him? Um, I don't actually remember. Like I didn't, I don't think I calculated it towards the end, but I mean, I think his 
I have it here. His um he predicted weight on base average plus in 2020 was the 15th highest in all of baseball among hitters that had at least 110 play appearances. So, I mean, he was a really, really good hitter. I think Tatis's maybe was top five. I don't top three. It was in the very, like, I think at least top five. So they're both really, really good hitters. Yeah. And let's, let's, let's talk about someone who's kind of a a polarizing figure here in San Diego. And that's Eric Hosmer. Uh, the bat has been up and down last season. He's shown signs uh, of being able to drive in the ball and, and, and put a little more loft under it. Uh, what are the numbers seeing in Eric Cosmer and can Padre fans uh, trust that 2021 will be another positive year for him? Yeah. So Hosmer, he definitely got a lot better. His numbers were much better in 2020. He lowered his strikeout rate. He pulled the ball more. He hit the ball on the ground less often. He barreled the ball more and his predictive weight on base average plus went from 98 to 105. So, I mean, based on his 2020 numbers, you would expect him, you'd predict that he'd be an above average hitter in 2020. I don't think he's, I mean, I think he's probably at this point, like an average everyday player, which is a good thing, but it's not like a great defender. So I, I don't think he's an all-star, but I think he's a solid player. I think he'll definitely be better than he was in 2019 and 2018. Yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, the Padres are paying him, uh, paying him to be a, a above average player and the production just isn't there. Um, obviously, you can't weigh clubhouse uh, things and, and what he brings to the young players and stuff like that, but it's hard to justify his contract with the numbers that he's putting up, and that's just the simple truth. I mean, you can't. You just can't sugarcoat that, especially at first base, which is traditionally a heavy uh, offensive force is typically there at first base, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think Hosmer, I don't see that he'll be worth his, he's not worth his contract at all. But again, when you said like, it's possible that the players are learning a lot from him and there's no way to quantify that. I mean, First base, definitely, as you expect more offense from a first baseman since it's not that tough of a position to play. Like, if you stuck Hosmer in center field, he would cost his team millions of runs. <laughs> first basemen are typically, I mean, they usually have to be really good hitters unless they're incredible defenders, which Hosmer is not. Do, so do the analytical numbers show that uh, defensively he's – slightly below average at first is is that what they show yeah in my notes i had that he is not a great defender i don't remember the exact numbers but i mean at least by it, above average he was not yeah i mean it's it, again that's something that he flashes from time to time but the footwork is just kind of sketchy and i, I don't know i think Padre fans ex- expected a lot more being that he was a three-time gold glove winner but then again, the gold gloves are like a popularity contest. They don't necessarily, yeah, exactly. They don't necessarily uh, dignify a, a gold glove caliber player or, or someone who's the best at their position. Uh, it's it's tough. You know, I think Padre fans are just spoiled at this point. And, you know, the team that AJ Prellers has created, we want perfection. And, and there's just not perfection everywhere. And, and that's just part of the game, right? Uh, Max, let, let's stick with the hitting theme and talk about Trent Grisham, someone who really came on last year, uh, won a gold glove in center field. I don't know how much weight we can, we can put to that, but uh, a solid young player who really performed well last season, give us some analytical numbers on him or what you think or what you're seeing from him uh, analytical wise. Yeah. So if him, he he actually was an amazing defender in 2020, at least according to outs above average. He was he ranked in the 99th percentile in that metric. I mean, he walks a lot, and his I mean his his actual offensive performance, his weight on base average was 10 percent above average, and his predicted was right there. It was 8 percent above average. So, I mean, based on his 2020 numbers, you would predict that he'd be a a, a really good hitter and. Mm-hmm. 2021 it's exciting it's exciting to see him for sure yeah he was one of the young left-handed hitters who was brought in to the Padres in the 2019-2020 offseason 
And another one of those guys was Jake Cronenworth. He wasn't exactly a headliner in the Tommy Fame trade, but he was a part of it. He played well in August, didn't play well in September. And now the Potters are bringing Ha Sung Kim. I don't know if your if your database has anything on Ha Sung Kim, but what do you make of that second base position battle for the Potters right now? Um, I don't have much on Kim because I just haven't created anything with like foreign league numbers, but I mean, Cronenworth was really, really good in 2020 and his predicted weight on base average plus was actually a little bit better than Grisham. His was 110 and his actual was 111. So, I mean, Cronenworth, I mean, I think he has a really high floor because he's good defender. He's good, got good speed. And also his plate discipline is really good. He walks, I mean, average rate, but then he doesn't strike out much. So I think, I think Kim will play probably a couple, like several different positions, but I don't see him really sucking much playing time away from Cronenworth because I just think he's, Cronenworth's the better player unless, I mean, it's possible Kim comes in and he's some all-star, but I mean, Cronenworth was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he showed it already at the major league level that he can hit at the major league level. So the Padres are going to find a spot for him, especially being that he's left-handed because the Padres, you know, I I don't like to traditionally talk about all right-handed, all left-handed, but they do need left-handers in the middle of the lineup, and he does fit that bill. Um, Cornerworth will probably play some outfield, so we'll have to see how he holds up in the corner outfield position, uh, which will be interesting. Uh, There's also rumors that Kim might show up in the outfield for the Padres, so flexibility seems to be a popular thing uh, this day and age in Major League Baseball. Give me your opinion on that, um, on the players that are that are capable and play multiple positions well. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely is valuable because, like, if Cronenworth couldn't play the outfield, maybe the Padres would not have signed Kim. Having that flexibility it kind of allows you to move guys around, so if an outfielder needed a day off, Cronenworth could play there, even if he plays most of his time at second base. So I think it's just, I think the people that like it the most are probably the managers because it just gives them a lot more flexibility. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, if you uh, missed out, we're talking to Max Goldstein here of, of MaxSportingStudio.com. Uh, Max, before we continue with uh, a little bit of more of a, a player evaluation, give us a little bit about the website and, and how that came about and how a young person like yourself, I mean, Dominic, this has got to be unusual for you to actually uh, interview a guest that's younger than you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel young this time. <laughs> exactly. Max, give us a little bit about how you started the website, uh, your goals with the website and, and and stuff in that manner. Yeah. So I think I started this website a little bit over a year ago. And I think that it was, mm-hmm. I, I created it so I could have a medium to express my opinions on stuff like this. And it's, I mean, it's a little bit more formal than just like, tweeting about it and stuff like that. So I think, and also, I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy writing about baseball. It's not something I want to do for a living, but it's more just something that allows me to just share whatever I want to say about a player, about a team, about the league. And I mean, I just, sorry. It's interesting that you say you don't know necessarily if you want to do this for a living because uh, you're showing a lot of passion in your work. You, you're showing a lot of passion in, in developing this website and having multiple writers, talented writers, I might mention, write for you and produce content. So um, what, what, what it, you know, you're a senior in high school. What are your plans uh, out of high school? Uh, you, I, I don't want to get too personal here, but uh, college plans, uh, major, what, what kind of major are you, are you looking at right now? Yeah, so I don't know where I'm going to school yet. I'll probably know in a couple of days. But oh, really? Okay. You know, yeah, because I mean, I applied the early, whatever, early decision, early action, whatever it's called, the one that isn't binding. And I think I hear back from... This main school I want to go to, Michigan, tomorrow, actually, or maybe today. So it, it was early action, by the way. Yeah, early action. So yes, I'm that I I plan to probably study both statistics and economics. And then okay. I love I, I like writing about baseball, but not it's 
and I like the website, which I'm going to continue and maintain because I enjoy it. And I know the writers enjoy it, but my ultimate goal would be like to work for a baseball team and help them win games. Okay. Okay. Awesome. 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 It's great to have those goals and you're certainly going about it in the right way. Uh, statistics, mathematics is, is definitely huge in the game of baseball. Uh, we wish you the best of luck in that regards. Now let, let's, let's get to some more number crunching. I, I just want uh, the fans to know a little bit more about you and, and how fascinating you are as a, as a young man going out here in a tough industry and, and doing really well. So uh, I commend you for that. Uh, Max, very, very good job in, in going out and, and, and making a name for yourself. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about some more numbers. We've done um, probably most of the hitters. Is there any, Anybody that we haven't covered uh, Padre hitting wise uh, that you'd like to discuss? Uh, Tommy Pham is someone that's interesting. He, in 2020, I mean, he didn't, if you looked at his like normal stats, like what he, his actual numbers weren't great. I mean, I don't have, I, he, his weighted on base average plus, which is his actual performance was 89. So 11% below average, but his predicted one was actually 105. So that was a pretty big difference. So, I mean, he's fast and just, he didn't have much luck when he put the ball in play. So you would predict him to hit a lot better than he did this past year in 2021. Yeah. And a popular conversation between Padres fans on Twitter, and this is a fun one. It's not about whether or not Chris Paddock is going to be good. And this is a question that Padres fans really haven't had to have in a long time, at least in a good way, is who should be the Padres opening day starter for the 2021 season between either Denelson Lamette, Blake Snell, or Hugh Darvish? Who do you think the Padres opening day starter should be? I feel like it will probably be Lamette if he's healthy since he's been with the team. I mean, I think the best pitcher on the team is probably, I guess, I mean, there's so many good pitchers on the team. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think you could, I think Darvish, Snell, and Lamette are definitely a tier above the other guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, Paddock, I think he, I think the Padres rotation may be the best in baseball. I mean, Paddock would be like the opening day starter on like the Tigers, but I mean, he's probably the Padres fifth best starter. Maybe you could say he's better than Musgrove, but it's probably pretty close. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give us some numbers on uh, Joe Musgrove. I know you had tweeted out that he was the 21st lowest uh, PWOBA among pitchers that faced 140 batters, which is really uh, an impressive stat. He had a great year in 2020. Local guy, uh, San Diegan. Uh, Padre fans are excited to bring him in the rotation and, and and see what we get from him. He, he looks like a pitcher who's progressing and getting better the, the older he gets. Uh, is that your assertion of, of, of him, Max? Yeah, so based on my metric, he's been above average, not by a draft, well, not by like, not by that much, but he's been above average. And he was above average in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. So, I mean, I definitely think he's a above average pitcher. And I his best season was based on my metric was 2020, where his predictive strikeout percentage plus, which it it's the same as the other ones where a hundreds average, a higher number would mean more strikeouts. It went from 96, which was in 2019 to 113, which was the highest in his career. And really for pitchers, you pitchers have to strike out an above average amount of guys if they want to be successful. The only way they're able to really pitch well, if they didn't do that, they'd have to not walk many guys at all, and they'd have to generate a lot of weak contact. That's true. And the Padres luckily have a pitching staff that all can can punch batters out, and that's pretty exciting. Um, give us a little bit on Mr. Blake Snell. Uh, Padre fans are being uh, educated on the left-hander. Obviously, they saw him in the playoffs and what he did to the Dodgers. What can Padre fans expect from Blake Snell uh, and with a, with the the shackles off of him? Some someone that's that's 
you know, the Rays, they played it easy with him. They, they took it easy with him. They, they had a game plan of him going five or six innings, and, and they didn't want to go past that. Uh, I wouldn't see the Padres doing that. They're going to let him complete games if, if he's pitching well. Give us your thoughts on that from Mr. Snell. Um, I, I think Snell is probably, I mean, even though he's definitely has gratitude for the Rays for turning him in, I mean, he, they developed him into a really good pitcher. He probably is excited to join a team that's going all in to win a World Series. But, I mean, the Padres still have a lot of good prospects. And I, I'm sure he's excited also to be able to potentially complete games. I mean, based on my metric, I mean, his predictive weight on base average plus the last three years was 90, 90, and 94. So, I mean, those are that's really good. And his, I mean, you could probably say he's a top 15, top 10 pitcher in baseball. I mean, he's been, based on my metric, really good the last three years. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a fun year for the Padres fans. That's for sure. Uh, Dominic, anything uh, for Max before we uh, before we head out of here? Yeah, if there's one spot where the Padres got worse this off season, which is really hard to believe, it was the bullpen. Kirby Yates, although he didn't really pitch much in 2020, he's gone. Trevor Rosenthal, he's gone. So some other guys are going to have to step up. And one guy that is under contract for the next couple of years and has been around Padres for a little bit is Craig Stammen, and he is absolutely hated by the Padres fan base on Twitter. What do you think of Craig Stammen, and do you think that he can be a productive relief pitcher for the Padres in 2021? Because I like Stammen, and he just sometimes has some really bad outings yep. where you kind of have to sit there. For the record, like, I do too. <laughs> yeah, and everyone everyone hates him, but I, I still hold out hope. People who know me know that I like him. They just don't get it, but what do you think of him? Yeah, I don't have the numbers handy, but – I think he's fine. I don't think he's this spectacular reliever, but I mean, I'm pretty sure he doesn't strike out that many guys, but he kind of pitches often. And yeah, I mean, I don't have the numbers on me, but I think he's a fine reliever. I don't think he's much better or worse than that, but yeah, I know he had a really good year a couple of years ago. I don't know how good he was this past year, but I mean, he's definitely not, he doesn't deserve to be hated. I mean, <laughs> that, that's all I wanted. Cause, cause last year, I mean, FIP is a pretty generic stat about, you know, seeing how a pitcher really should have done You know, 3.36 FIP compared to his 5.63 ERA. And I look at that and I would assume that that would fare well for your PWOBA. And that, 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 that was my thinking. And you, you're right. His strikeout numbers have gone down his 2018 season where he had a 2.73 ERA and a 2.19 FIP, which is really good. He struck out 10 batters per nine innings. And then last year he struck out 7.5. So that's down significantly. So I, I like to think that he's a fine pitcher. Yeah. He's another one of those guys who you can't measure what he brings in the clubhouse and how he mentors a lot of these young pitchers. And, and, And the fact that his numbers are skewed by two or three, maybe even four horrible appearances. And I think that's what really made his numbers bad. And I think that's what sticks out in Padre fans' eyes and thoughts is the time that he just gave up the game. And that's just the nature of the beast. That's how fan fandom is. You you remember the bad things about a fa- about a pitcher or about a player rather than when they go out there and do their business and, and you see nothing from them. So, um, Max, any other Padres that are worth uh, diving into stat-wise uh, before we get you out of here? Um, I'm sure there are, but I, I think we covered okay. most of the notable ones. Nothing nothing off the top of your head that we're missing as far as uh, analytical-wise on, on San Diego Padres? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Before we let you go, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what the future of analytics is. Yeah, so I mean, I think that it'll continue to grow. I think it's tough to know because if you'd yeah. ask people this like 15 years ago, I don't know that they would have saw where it would have led to. But I mean, maybe it'll be like eventually, like 15, 20 years, maybe there's going to be like 3D guys that are like an app, like you create like like digital, like let's say the Padres are facing Chris Sale and they replicated his pitch, like a person his size 
like just mm-hmm. technology and had it where hitters could like swing against like maybe the ball is like digital too or I don't know. That's kind of far fetched, but like it'd be like taking no. batting practice against. No, I, I see what you mean. Kind of like a virtual reality type of deal, right? Like a, like a virtual reality type of uh, training for for hitters against certain pitchers or against certain batters and their tendencies, right? I mean, that, that makes sense, yeah. right? I mean, technology, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, Max, uh, Mr. Max Goldstein of MaxSportingStudio.com. Uh, educating a lot of fans about the game of baseball and the analytical side. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Max. We really appreciate it and and wish you the best of luck. Uh, hopefully you get that uh, that great uh, news from the University of Michigan in a couple of days. Yes, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it, man. You have a great day. You too. Welcome back, folks. Uh, episode number 134 of the East Village Times podcast. Awesome conversation with Mr. Max Goldstein. A high school senior, which is just fascinating in, in my eyes. I mean, it, the stuff that MaxSportingStudio.com puts out is, is pretty impressive. Uh, a couple of the writers uh, contributed to us at, at a time. Uh, Holden and Aaron uh, did some work for us, project-related, uh, statistic-related. Uh, give us your thoughts on Max. I, I know you love the Chris Paddock uh, conversation that we had with him. Well, yeah. I mean, he just emphasize that Chris Paddock isn't a total bum like all the all the haters and the trolls make him out to be, which is certainly what I like to hear. But it, it was yeah. more than just the information about Chris Paddock because it, it was other stuff, talking about how Tatis and how there are some people who talk about him on Twitter that aren't Potters fans, of course. All the Potters fans think the world of him. And the, he basically confirmed them. Tatis is legit. He's a superstar. And I know he didn't say anything like how he's the face of the league or anything, but he confirmed everything that we've been hearing. So that was certainly good. He thinks Will Myers is not going to be the old Will Myers, the Will Myers of Andy Green era. So that's certainly good for that as well. And it was just a good, cool conversation because he's a young kid. He's doing a lot of good work. He's not the typical guest that you pull onto this podcast. So was certainly a different look, very yeah. analytic driven. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's good to get an outsider's opinion. Uh, you know, he mentioned he's a Tigers fan, has no rooting interest in the Padres, and he's going to give you an honest evaluation of the team. And often that's what we seek out here on the East Village Times podcast is relevant information about this team. That's not necessarily sugarcoated by fans or sugarcoated by local media. It's, it's really who they are as players and what you can expect from them. Um, you know, had fascinating things to say about Machado, about Hosmer, uh, Grissom. It's, it's, it's the Padres are built well. And their goal is a World Series title. We'll have to see and wait and see if they get there. We, we you know, we talked about the Jerks and Profar news uh, before we brought Max on. That's awesome. Uh, this is an awesome thing for the Padres. Great to get that depth that he provides. Uh, last night there was a rumor that was kind of strange uh, that came out that the San Diego Padres had a contract on the table to Adam Wainwright, thirty-nine-year-old. Right-handed pitcher. I don't know. Give me your thoughts on that, Dominic. And it's it came from a reputable source. Give me your thoughts on Wainwright as a Padre. Yeah, I'm back here again to say that Adam Wainwright did go to the Cardinals last night. Once again, something happened that we, of course, talked about the night of the recording. So James and I, prior to recording this, had no knowledge of Adam Wainwright going to the Cardinals believed to be a one-year deal for $8 million, according to John Heyman. And then later that night, Dennis Lynn tweeted out that the interest that the Padres expressed in Adam Wainwright happened to be prior to the Joe Musgrove trade. So the source reporting that the Padres were interested in Wainwright was true, but the Padres were no longer interested after they did acquire Joe Musgrove. Figured I'd jump in and say that. Here are our thoughts about Wainwright being a Padre anyways, and also talking about Yadier Molina, who, of course, has a dynamic relationship with Adam Wainwright. It'd be weird. It'd be really weird because I remember there was a couple of years ago, it was in either 2017 or 2018, where it was either Mother's Day or Father's Day weekend, and he was starting a game, and he went like three innings, allowed like five runs to the Padres. And this is like a bad Padres team. 
and yeah. he got pulled due to injury. And I remember sitting in the stands and looking at my dad. I'm like, that this could be the last time Adam Wainwright ever pitches. But he keeps yeah. coming back and he keeps coming back. And he obviously had a really storied career as a starting pitcher and built a relief pitcher when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And he he haunted the Padres in that 2006 postseason because I mean he was so dominant back then, back when they won the yeah. World Series. And yeah. it would just be really really cool to see if he could come in and pitch for the Padres. And I don't want to say like vindicate those uh those ghosts, but I mean like you mentioned, you were so like adamant like how if the Padres beat the Cardinals in that postseason wild card round, which they did, it'd be cool because the Padres their last three times in the divisional series lost to the Cardinals in 06, 05, and I believe 96, right? Yes. Yeah. 90, yeah, 96. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. It, it's, uh, it's really strange news. It really is. You got to we, – we heard earlier in the week that A.J. Preller had made mention of a six-man rotation. So Wainwright would fit in in the regards that he provides veteran depth. He would provide another arm, say – Come September, October, they need to start in the playoffs. He's got that experience. He's pitched well in October in playoff baseball. Uh, I, I, I really don't know. Could the Padres be looking at him as a relief option? You mentioned that he was dominant for the Cardinals in 2006 when they won the World Series. Was it 2006 or 2007? One of those years. When they won the World- it was six. Okay. In 07, though, 07, the Red Sox won it against the Rockies after the Rockies got in in the uh, the famous Matt Holiday not touching home game, which, of course, I know you like to say is the Trevor Hoffman blowing the game game, but uh, Matt Holiday also didn't touch home plate in that game. So <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's The Padres are, seem to be linked to multiple players. I mean, we saw a Tanaka uh, report before they brought in Musgrove, so... The Padres are clearly still looking for more pitching options is what uh, is what you want to say. And I think that he could kind of be used in like a Garrett Richards kind of role that the Padres used last year, where he's a veteran arm. He starts early on in the season. And as the season goes on, after they use the six-man rotation, get guys back in it, maybe like after the all-star break or something, they move him out to the bullpen where he was very comfortable pitching early on in his career. I'll, I'll find numbers on that in just a minute, but I think that could certainly be an interesting role because if you want to hear my thoughts, and I think James, you agree with me on the six man rotation role, we we both liked it. And we both said that that's what could be an interesting thing. And it's all about getting the pitchers to buy into winning a title. All right. I just found the stats. He had the 3.4 ERA as a relief pitcher in 82 innings. And then he had a 3.38 ERA as a starter over the course of his career in 2000 innings. So, I mean, technically he was, he's been a better starter than a reliever just by a small margin. Yeah. But certainly a very good relief pitcher back in his time. Yeah. And, and he's a curveball specialist. He doesn't have high velocity. He would probably fit well in the Padres bullpen as, as a kind of change of pace, if you will, uh, from the power arms you see in, in Pomerantz and, and Pagan and, and Castillo when he, when he's healthy. Uh, I, I, we'll have to wait and see what the Padres are doing. Uh, there's also whispers of a Yadier Molina, which, you know, nothing has been reported linking the Padres to Molina, but you have to think that maybe the Padres are, are, are looking down that road. Molina is going to be an expensive addition for sure. You already have Nola, you have Camposano, you have Caratini. So it doesn't necessarily fit. I, I don't know. This is all speculation, but those are two elder players, veteran type players that are both looking for work. So we'll have to wait and see what AJ Perler and the Padres do. Obviously no stone is left unturned when it comes to improving this team and, and AJ Perler proves that in in every rumor that's that's out there about this team yeah i think the molina rumors were something that was going down earlier on in the season so i think that those are starting to recircle since wainwright is now rumored to have a contract out there from the san diego padres so it'll be interesting we all know that the padres aren't done and like i said with our conversation with max the one place where the padres have gotten worse this offseason 
is the bullpen. So yeah. if they could add Wainwright out there to maybe help that out, or if they put him in the rotation and then say a young starter for the San Diego Padres, like Adrian Marejon or Ryan Weathers goes out to the bullpen as a result of that, you're then adding arms out to the bullpen, which will then yeah. make it better. Cause we know how good the Padres bullpen was expected to be and how good it was the second half of the year. Once Emilio Pagan, who is expected to be a big part of that got healthy, he was lights out last year. Yeah. Yeah. Trevor Rosenthal still looking for work. Nothing uh, rumored at all. Nothing in the works from the Padres or from any other team uh, on Rosenthal. Uh, Brad Hand assigned. Uh, Yates assigned. You got to think that it's a matter of time before Trevor Rosenthal is picked up by a major league team. Uh, we'll have to hope and wait that the Padres are that team because he fit in really well here and, and, and obviously embraced, embraced the city of San Diego. Um bullpen is is what they need right now and where you think the most likely additions are going to be made for this team um there's plenty of arms out there uh hot stove is starting to 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 move a little bit so we'll have to wait and see um last news before we get out of here uh is that our beloved ted lightner is no longer going to be calling padre games which kind of came out out of a sudden. Uh, I don't know, Dominic, give me your thoughts on that. I mean, this is a man who spent, I, I don't know, have the numbers in front of me, but he spent decades in the booth covering this team. Yeah. So about Ted Leitner, I talked about it on the latest episode of Devil's Talking Padres. I'm sure we would have talked about it on our last episode, but our last episode, we had two guests. So we, of course, had stuff to talk about that uh, revolved more around the Potters on the field. So I'm glad we we get the opportunity to talk about him right now. I listened to a ton of radio broadcasts growing up as a Padres fan, just because I always watched the games on TV. We always had channel four San Diego and Fox sports San Diego because we wanted to watch the games, but I would always, you know, listen to the highlights on the radio and stuff like that. And Ted Leitner is a San Diego legend. And of course he's going to be missed. It's going to be weird not hearing his voice on Padres games because I, I ain't really ever listened to Jerry Coleman because he was never really announcing when I was listening to the radio, but Ted Leitner was always there. And I'll always remember Ted Leitner for what he did other stuff, like always at fan fest and always at the hall of fame introductions for San Diego for the Potters hall of fame and being there when they retired Trevor Hoffman's number, when they unveiled the statue, when they unveiled the Tony Gwynn statue, stuff like that. And just his charismatic voice and how much he cared about San Diego sports. He, he He's almost the second coming or third coming in terms of San Diego sports to Tony Gwynn and Trevor Hoffman. You think about it as a sports fan, you think about those guys and then you think about Ted Leitner and him being there. So it's going to be different, but you know, I, this season I was working for the first two and a half weeks of the season and I'd be coming home from work. And of course I would turn the radio on to listen to the games in my car when I went home from work. And you could just kind of sense that he, he wasn't at his best condition in terms of calling games. Like, so I, I think yeah. that it was time for him to move on. And I think the world of Jesse Agler. So I think it's going to be super yes. awesome to listen to him and Tony Gwynn Jr. is going to be his color commentator. So it's going to be more of a traditional booth for San Diego. Obviously yeah. it, it it's going to be different not listening to Teddy, but I'm super excited for the future of San Diego Padres broadcasting. Yeah. We're left in great hands with, with Jesse Aguilar. That's for sure. It's not, it's not that the, we're losing anything. It's just, it's just sad that there wasn't an opportunity to give him a farewell tour, if you will. And for fans to kind of be able to share their love and share their memories of him. But like, again, like I said, that's just the way the world is right now is that things like that just aren't, aren't possible. And it's, it's tragic in that regard, but we wish the best for Mr. Leitner. Ted Leitner is a San Diego sports icon and he will be missed. Uh, there's a, we understand that he'll be in and around the Padres in, in, in certain aspects, whether it's, you know, meeting and greeting or doing things for them. Uh, so we will still see him a part of the team. It'll just be uh, on a, on a lesser scale. So uh, kind of sad news, but as this team progresses and, and gets better, 
just things like this are going to happen. And, and it's, 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 it's sad. We, we do wish the best for, for Mr. Ted Lightner. That's for sure. Uh, Dominic, anything else uh, news wise before we get out of here? I think we pretty much hit on the uh, major topics uh, over the last week or so. I mean, nothing related to the Padres, but just some other free agents and <clears throat> other stuff is going down. So I think that the slow off season, like you mentioned, it's really starting to pick up because like I mentioned earlier, pitchers and catchers report in just a couple of weeks. Spring training games start in just under a month and opening days in just two months. So it's really getting exciting. The sport we love is just about to come back. Hopefully uh, it still remains unclear whether or not there's going to be a DH, whether or not the extra inning rule with the runner on second base, the, I guess the three batter minimum is going to stick around and some other rules like that. So I'm excited to see what the season looks like because as we all know, the Padres are going to be very good. And that is not something that we have said a lot going into a season. No, not, 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 uh, not recently. That's for sure. There's a lot of expectations with this team and we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, Dominic, go ahead and take us out of here. Uh, episode 134 is in the books and uh, had a great time talking to Max. It was good stuff. Yes. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of the East Village Times Potters podcast. Our guest was Max Goldstein. You can find him on Twitter at Max Sports Studio on Twitter. And his website is MaxSportingStudio.com. Go check that out. Make sure to subscribe to all that stuff because it's some pretty valuable insight there. And like James mentioned, he's only a senior in high school. And it's not that he's a senior in high school. It's that he started this a couple of years ago. So he started this before he was a senior in high school, which is pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. So make sure to go reward him. He seems to like the Padres. So that, that's certainly a cool thing. Make sure to follow James and I on Twitter. Follow me at DMstern19. And follow James at EVT underscore J Clark. Follow our podcast account at EVT podcast and follow us on Twitter at EVT underscore news to check out whenever we release our content. Like James mentioned, he wrote the article about Wainwright last night talking about that rumor and some other stuff as we get close to the season. And we are doing some coverage of the loyal and the Aztecs basketball and football. So you want to check that out. It's good content over there. I'm a writer. Of course, I need to do some more writing for you, James, but thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next week with a brand new guest.